You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. The Rockies are entering the 2016 calendar year, still trying to figure out what their outfield might look like on opening day. I am Allison Footer, and I'm here with Thomas Harding, who is covering the Rockies diligently every single day. And Thomas, um, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm putting together a puzzle, kind of when I'm when I'm researching the Rockies. And, and making notes and trying to figure out what they're doing because this all kind of makes sense. So we hear that they might be interested in Gerardo Parra, who is an outfielder, which wouldn't make any sense at all except when you think about the fact that they could plug him into an outfielder and then actually trade an outfielder to get pitching, and pitching is what they need. So do I have that right? Yes, it's yeah, it's it's like a little, little Rubik's cube here. You know, you move <laughs> you move one of the blocks somewhere, and another, you have to have another block to fill in, and you hope it's all color coded when you're all done with it. Um, that's exactly what's going on. They've made contact with Gerardo Parra, um, the free agent outfielder. He is one of them. I think that there are other guys on that list of outfielders, kind of the guys that are a little below the top tier salary salary wise. So. If they trade an outfielder, which seems to be what they're looking for because they have to improve the pitching, they've decided they're not going to spend on the free agent pitching. So in order to do that, they have to trade an outfielder. And obviously if they trade one, they have to bring in one because they've got some prospects that are getting closer, but they're not quite there yet. Um, So right now, in order to put a full outfield out there in 2016, they're going to have to go out and sign someone if they make that trade. Right, and and you have the winter meetings after they're over. My my line is always, oh, it's still early. I know that everyone thinks that everyone everything has to be done at the winter meetings, but there's plenty of time left in the off season. And then, you know, quite frankly, once the new year gets here, um, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, yeah, time is kind of running out. And I, you know, what are you waiting for? Or you know, what's the what's left? Um, and so, really, at some point, they're going to have to stop talking about it and start doing something. Wouldn't you say? I would think here's the issue, though. There are a number of free agent outfielders out there that are dragging this thing on, um, you know, taking, t- taking the different offers, and that's the reason why this is happening. When you've got guys like Cespedes out there that are weighing a bunch of offers, then sometimes you have to see who is not going to get the guy they want and then go back to them and say, okay, now, hey, you may not have gotten the guy you want, but we've got the guy you need at $37 million as opposed to however many million you're going to spend on um, you know, one of the top guys on the market, you know, the, the, the Uptons, the Cespedes, and even uh, Chris Davis. So that's where that stands. So it's is it encouraging together. at all? Oh, go ahead. I, I say it, it, it's all tied together. And I'm seeing this as we, as, as we go. It seems like each year – Something gets later, whether it's pitching or quite often it's the outfield or maybe it's a position like first base. It seems that if you have a number of players on the market and a number of teams with needs, it's almost like musical chairs, and you have to go through the whole negotiating with people before teams that may want to trade can make a trade. So this is something you don't see it a lot. Usually by the first of the year, you know, you have your team set. I mean, a number of teams are even announcing who they're inviting to spring training right now, but there are still these big pieces that are out there. That's very true. Um, I I wanted to ask you just if it's encouraging – um, you know, from a fan standpoint, like the Rockies farm system has been um, been called one of the more improved. 
um, of all the teams. Of course, it's our Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com. Get to give him a shout-out. But the Rockies farm system is definitely, like, on the rise, on the mend, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I guess when you're trying to, to, I don't know if it is comfort Rockies fans, explain things to them, but that has to be a selling point for the Rockies. Like, hey, you know, we are developing some pretty good talent, and we're trying to make this whole thing kind of come together. Yeah, I think when you look at the, when you look at the farm system and what they're building, they've built a number of pitchers that are kind of close to the major leagues. And also, there are some position players that are very good there. I mean, you look at in the outfield, David Dahl and uh, Ramil Tapia. They're they're close. They're not quite major league ready yet, but it could happen this year. Um, I, I'll tell you something, and I don't know if I've said it on this show or another. But there was a day during spring training, and you know how those spring training games get, where you get to the late innings, and it's, I like to say it's the tight ends and tackles out there, you know, guys with 70 and 80 numbers, and they're, and they're out there playing. They were playing the Dodgers one day, and the Dodgers have brought over a bunch of veterans, and here are these kids from Asheville. It's a low class A, and before the game, they all received their championship rings, and I remember talking to a couple of them beforehand, and they were, it was the most exciting thing they'd ever done in their lives, was getting their championship rings on a big league spring training field. They played that game as if it was the seventh game of the World Series. You know, the Dodgers were over there like, gosh, you realize this is spring training. But I go back to um, 2005 and six. so really, really about 2004 when you started to see a group of Rockies players play that way uh, to, to, to the point where they all weren't future superstars, but you saw that they learned how to win together. Could the Rockies be developing that? That's what I feel like is that it seems like the 2017, 18, 19 is when you're going to see this team mature. No one wants to hear that right now because you've got a season coming. But that's exactly what I'm seeing. I'm seeing and, and when Jonathan Mayo is seeing it also, and you know he's not close to it and hearing about these guys every day, that says something to me. That uh, I, I do think in a few years this is going to pay off for them, but right now there is pain. I would agree with that. And I want to talk about um, Tyler Matzak. This is a very, I think, important topic and a very interesting topic. So you recently spoke to him, and he is being very open about what he's calling performance anxiety, um, which has hampered him in his past. Um, so what did you glean from all of that, and uh, what did he say about where he is right now from an emotional standpoint? I think from an emotional standpoint, I think that what you can do at this point, because you never do know until you're on the mound, and you're pitching, and that guy is standing there um, in the batter's box. Maybe he's crowding the plate, or maybe there are guys on base. You really don't know until you get to that point. But what you want to do when you come out of what he went through, and it was performance anxiety. He ended up going to see a therapist um, with, with some expertise in sports. What, when you're in those tight situations, you want to have something to go back to. When I watched him during the season, it's funny. I, obviously, I didn't know about performance anxiety, and I certainly can't see into his mind. But he struck me as a guy who, when things, got in, when things got in trouble, he really didn't have something to go to. I mean, he had made it on a lot of natural talent. And I'm thinking maybe there's something fundamentally with his pitching that he missed along the line, and he can't diagnose what's wrong. So it turned out that maybe it was this mental thing. 
Um, he, he had had a good year the year before, especially at the end of it, and just sort of pressed himself to be better, and things just sort of spiraled on him. But at the end of last year, he was throwing some games in relief in the minors, so he's going to come to camp, try to win a starting rotation job. Uh, there could be room in the bullpen right now. There, there's a hole in the bullpen, to be honest with you, so why not? Um, I'm hoping he does well because – you want to see someone be able to use their talents to the best of their abilities, and, hey, if the talent isn't there or it's no longer there anymore, then you can say, hey, I gave it all I had. But when something difficult like that is in the way, you would like for the, for the, for the guy to be able to overcome that and just get to the point of pure physical talent. Yeah, I, I think that this, is, um, this happens more than we know. I think that this happens to yes. more players than we know. It doesn't get talked about a lot uh, for obvious reasons. It's a personal thing. Uh, most guys want to keep it private. They don't want the world knowing that they're having um, some issues from an emotional standpoint. Just from it, It's anxiety. It's Really, that's the word. It is anxiety. And I um, covered a player many years ago who that ended up being a big problem for him. Um, and it wasn't until years later after he retired that he said, you know, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And the pressure from the fans, the booing that I was hearing, um, I, I looked like I didn't know what I was doing out there because I really didn't. Um, and it, it causes a lot of problems, like, later on, um, even beyond the player's career, um, where they don't – they just can't quite get it together. Um, sports psychologist, you know, you, I, I remember hearing a player many, many years ago say that he had to have, like, a sports psychologist in his eye view when he was pitching, um, somebody sitting in the stands. Um, and, and, I mean, do you agree that, like, that's probably a little bit more prevalent than we will ever know? Yeah, it's more prevalent, and I remember back in the Clint Hurdle days, he actually had the team sports psychologist who, they hired him to work in the minor league system, but um, Clint body, had, a, had a big buy-in with sports psychology, and he would sometimes bring the guy on the road trips. He actually used him in spring training. There was one year where, now, th- things really, it seems strange, but I, I remember, I think it was either 2005 or 2006, it was right before things turned, um, they had a motivational consultant and the sports psychologist here. And, dur- and during, the, um, during the early part of spring training, the pitchers, would they, they throw a bullpen session, they practice uh, fielding, they practice covering first base. And one of the stations was some sort of presentation by the sports psychologist, and they actually had the consultant walking amongst the coaches to make sure that they were communicate, communicating uh, correctly with them. So this is something that, um, that occurs quite a bit, and I think Tyler Matzik being open to discussing it, hopefully it could help some others um, along the line, maybe even younger players. And also it's, it, it can become less of a taboo subject. Uh, you know, a lot of times they don't want you talking about uh, the sports psychologist. There, there are teams who won't even admit that they have one, even though they do have one. There are clubhouses where when the sports psychologist shows up, uh, they all say, hey, the head coach is here, you know, stuff like that. Hopefully that, uh, that dies down a bit and people realize that the mind is just like the muscle. You know, people need help with it. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure in this game. It looks all fun and games because it is a game, but um, there is so much pressure when you're trying to perform in front of all those people and that your failures are right out there for everyone to dissect and let you hear their opinion. So um, good stuff. Thomas, thank you very much. Talk to you soon.
MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free AtBat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.